Happy Mother's Day. It's good to see everybody here today. Uh, May the 10th, 2020. I wish we could all be together, but uh, we're going to do our best to honor our mothers today as we would if you were all able to be here with us at our church service. Looks like things might be winding down and maybe in a few weeks we'll be able to gather together again. But for today, we do want to say thanks to our moms and welcome all of you who are watching on our online service today. We are talking about our Luke 3 and Me uh, sermon series, so we continue in that. And we thought we'd do a Mother's Day theme along with that by looking at the moms of Jesus. And uh, there are a number of ladies that are listed in Matthew's version of the genealogy, four to be exact, if you don't include uh, Mary at the very end, uh, three by name and one in reference. And We'll describe who those three are. This will be review for us as well, since over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of those moms already. Now, my wife and I, uh, we have a continuing friend-flow, foe, excuse me, uh, battle or argument about what traits our children have inherited from us. And I'm sure you've done this too, where you are, your kids do something and uh, it's not very pleasant, so you look at your spouse and you say, you know they get that from you, right? Well, we have this continuing uh, friend-foe argument all the time about the traits we've passed along to our kids. And now each of our three children have obviously, and there's no doubt about this, hey, have inherited my natural beauty and my incredible music talent. Uh, there's just no doubt. And, of course, they've inherited my wife's uh, temperament and her metabolism. I can hear some of you laughing out there already. It might be oppo zappo in your particular point of view. But when we uh, have arguments like that, we'll use that type of anecdotal evidence. And uh, when we uh, argue about that, it never solves anything. No, no argument's really settled. But even when uh, we seek scientific evidence, uh, that never seems to solve the argument either, uh, even though a DNA is a pretty guaranteed thing of what we get from moms and what we get from dads. Uh, for instance, it was uh, accepted uh, scientific fact that for some time that mitochondrial DNA comes exclusively from our mothers, from our mother's DNA. But new evidence seems to suggest that we do inherit some of that kind of DNA from our dad too. So there was this assumption for a while in the scientific community that we actually had more mom DNA than we have dad DNA. And now they're starting to argue that maybe it's a little more balanced than what they used to think. So who really knows for sure if the scientists keep changing their minds about what we get from our moms, what we get from our dads, what amount and how it impacts us or affects us, then how are we gonna solve it with any kind of argument that we might make? But what we do pass along through DNA isn't always what we want to pass along through our DNA, and that's for certain. There is one thing all parents, especially moms, they want for their children. They hope to pass this quality, this trait along to their kids. And that is for them to continue the family story. Now, if you're on Facebook, you might have had suggested videos pop up on your timeline here recently as people are watching a lot of things like that. Uh, 
there are a lot of family type videos that have been suggested to me uh, as families are dealing with the quarantine issue and some are funny and and some are kind of sad but has anyone seen the parodies done by the Holderness family it's a couple with two kids I think and uh, I've only seen a few of these but uh, the mom and dad in the videos uh, they're highly creative. I think one of them used to be a, you know, like a news person or an entertainment news person. But uh, they're very creative, and the ones that I've seen, they use pop songs and Disney tunes and even classical music to describe how they're coping with the quarantine in their home. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, which uh, I hope that you are, um, then you can subscribe to our channel and then you can go check out the Holder and his family and watch some of their videos and see if they're as funny to you as they are to me. Now, the incredible thing is they illustrate how families are adapting to, to uh, these times of trials and tests and tribulations of life we're all going through. You know, how are you coping? Um, I saw, I saw a meme of of, of a, like a minivan, you know, a mom's soccer mom type van, and on the window it said something about uh, to the teachers, uh, we know that you are lying now because our children are not a joy to have in class. <laughs> have you seen that one? So how are you coping with it? We see some videos that are funny again, some that are sad, but the incredible thing is that as these videos illustrate how we're dealing with this time of difficulty with, that we're in, we're all going through the same kind of trials and tests and tribulations. Now, the Holderness family, they seem to be fully embracing their lives as they keep the faith in their family, and then they just try to make the best of it. Now, the Holderness family videos are not spiritual, so don't run to them looking for scriptures and verses to encourage you through this time and they're not even Christian faith-based. I don't know, don't even know if they are believers, but what they do confirm, like many of the other videos, is that they want to continue their family story because that is what has been passed on to them. They've had a couple Mother's Day features where they use the the mom's mom as a part of their video and they tell stories of how uh, how the one lady was brought up and what she was like and how many characteristic traits she's got from her mom. But you know, we love family and we love right now, if there is one positive thing that's come from all of this right now, is we are learning that being with our family is something to be cherished, not something that is to drive you crazy. Now, you will cherish it if you are taking the time to realize this is something that is building up your family, building up your story. It would be terrifying to you if the opposite is taking a place in these difficult times. Now, moms are very familiar with difficulty. And as we talked about, we're talking about the moms of Jesus today. And I always wondered what kind of qualities or characteristics did Jesus get from those in his lineage, if that is listed for us so that we'll look for those things and realize how they might be more like us and help us. I was thinking about how Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was facing a very difficult time in his life. 
because he was trying to do his best to carry on the family narrative that had been not only given to him by his father, but had been predicted and prophesied for thousands of years. Now here's a lot of pressure. Not only do you have a family narrative or a family story that you are a part of and that you are writing your chapters in it, but rarely have the predictions of how you're going to die or be raised or all the other things or suffer through life uh, have been said about you before, not specifically like they were Jesus. Now he had a cup that he had to bear. It was a bitter one. And he asked if there was any other way that he could fulfill his purpose than to bear that cross. But then he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now think about that. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In a real sense, Jesus was following the principles and patterns exemplified by many in his genealogy, especially the moms we have been learning about over the last four Sundays, or the last three in this one today. We've learned about Tamar and Rahab and Ruth, and today we're going to learn a little bit more about Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, as Matthew describes her. Because they have carried on the family narrative of God, according to the Old Testament story, through challenging and confusing circumstances. Sidebar here. If there's one thing you can imprint on the hearts of your children and grandchildren that will help them the most, teach them to carry on the family narrative of God, especially in confusing, complicating, challenging, and compromising circumstances that our circumstances do not define our story. It is God who defines that. And the four moms mentioned in Matthew's genealogy in his account of the lineage of Jesus, as he mentions all these women, and as we said, we've been examining them more, uh, over the last few weeks, and we want to examine uh, Bathsheba a little bit more today. And if you've missed those messages, we'll just go to our palcc.org uh, website and go to our services page or go down the bottom, and you can just click right there on the last three weeks with Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Or you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our playlist, and you can get those whenever they're available. But like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, each of the women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, they had a similar difficult choice. They all had a cross to bear. They all had a bitter cup that they had to drink from. Now, they might not have been acutely aware of the gravity of the situation, as was Jesus from an eternal standpoint, but their understanding of their role in God's story and their putting faith uh, putting their and their faith putting into action, putting it into action in their lives. Well, let me say that again. But their understanding of their role in God's story and their faith putting it into action in their lives was proof that they wanted to carry on the will of God. Now, everybody say, Not my will, but your will be done. 
they wanted to carry out the will of God. He had a story. And like Tamar, for instance, she obeyed God's will in a very confusing time for her by bearing a child by her father-in-law to preserve the line of Judah. Now, how confusing would that be for a young woman? She lost her husband, and then according to the custom of the day, was to um, uh, have her, her husband's brother give her a child, and then he died because he was disobedient. And then the third son, Judah didn't want to give. How confusing was that story? Go back and read it. It's still confusing. But she obeyed God, followed through his story to preserve the line of Judah. Rahab obeyed God's will, although complicated by aiding the Israelites. She provided shelter for those spies and then sent them off safely in order to promote the line of Israel, even though she was a Canaanite and lived in Jericho. And everyone in her city were about to be besieged and destroyed. Ruth, we talked about her last week, obeyed God's will by following Naomi back to Bethlehem as they faced challenging heartbreak so she could perpetuate the line of Perez. And when you see at the, in the end of Ruth how the genealogy follows from Judah and then through Perez, then all the way on down uh, through to David, it connects all those stories together. And and, and Naomi or Ruth was just obeying God to perpetuate that line. Bathsheba obeyed God's will, as we'll discover today, though compromised by infidelity. She did it to protect uh, what would become the royal line of King David. So let me see if I can break this down for you. We have a story, a narrative of God from Adam that's going to get us to Jesus who is the Savior of the world. And in that story, we have four women who are introduced who are uh, have some confusing and uh, complicating and challenging and compromising circumstances that they're dealing with. And how they dealt with them teaches us that well, when God is using us, the circumstance isn't important. It is will is what is important because his will, if we ask, will be done through us. If we have faith and are willing, his will will be done through us. And we're part of God's great story. Now, each, in each story that we talked about, we have our moms who are facing unusual and difficult circumstances. But they have enough faith to work through the circumstances to bring about the ultimate salvation in Christ. Now, our moms have passed along that same trait to us. They have taught us and exemplified for us that when you are going through difficulties in life, keep the faith and get the family story back on track. That's all you got to do. Keep the faith and get the story back on track. And we just need to make sure that our stories are Christocentric in nature, meaning that we're wrapping the story of Christ around our own stories because that means that we are doing the will of God. Now, like 
Uh, Tamar and Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba, they might not have known in the moment or while they, why they were, what, when they were going through it, what God was going to do with their story, but rarely do we. But when we have faith and when we believe and we obey God's will, wow, what a story God can tell. Now, the New Testament, it confirms this perspective. It makes clear that God's will for our lives will include trials, tests, and tribulations. But in each instance, God gives us the encouragement we need to live by faith and not by sight. In other words, we live through our perspective of God instead of focusing on the circumstances that surround us. Romans 8:28 Romans 8:26 through 28 teaches us in the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of my favorite Bible verses, especially when it teaches us that the Spirit intercedes in accordance with the will of God. And all we have to do is just pray. We don't even know what to pray. We don't even know the words to say. We can be in our deepest point of weakness, our greatest challenge in life and we can just we can just lift up our hearts in faith to God and the spirit in wordless groans will intercede for us because he knows the mind of God and he knows the what's really in our hearts and he brings those all together so that we can trust that God will work all things together for our good as we live in accordance to his will now Tamar's story could have ended with her dying unremembered and unrecorded in history. Remember, her father-in-law, Judah, sent her back home. And there was not much more that was ever written about that particular people or her family. But Judah and his family is mentioned in the, the Bible and, and has been recorded in history itself. So Tamar could have ended up a nobody, never remembered if she hadn't believed she was still part of God's great narrative. Now, grieving over her husband passing away and exploited by her wicked brother-in-law and then dismissed by her father-in-law, her confusing circumstances would have been excuse enough just to fade away into anonymity. Nobody cares about me. I'm not that important. But something inside her it helped her even though she had no idea what to do. So she had faith. She preserved the line of Judah without the cooperation of Judah himself. Now, it was a very unorthodox way, of course. But she was just trying to honor the custom that had been developed amongst her people to preserve the line of her husband's family if her husband were to pass away. She preserved that line. 
And Judah said himself, she was a better person than him. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us when we're confused. He intercedes for us with God by searching our hearts and then helps us work things out according to God's will and sometimes just ain't pretty. Sometimes it's not clear. It can be very confusing. But like Tamar, God knows our hearts. And he knew Tamar had her heart in the right place and he worked through the circumstances even though they were not advisable or I would advise them to do to, for you, but he worked through those so that uh, she was a part of God's good purpose. And we can be confident that he's working all things together towards our good, not just for our good personally, but for our good as a people, as humanity. First Peter chapter 4, 1 through 6 encourages us, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They, have, they are surprised that you do not join uh, them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of theology, a lot of questions that Peter brings up in this particular verse. But let's focus on the fact that he says that we will suffer. But we shouldn't suffer like everybody else for doing the wrong thing. We should live the rest of our life for the will of God. And if that means suffering, well, so be it. He will give us the strength to overcome. But if we're like the rest of the people around us in the world, we'll just do foolish things, follow after our lust, our human desires. And then, because we don't like it when someone sets a better example for us, we'll just criticize those who try to do the will of God. Now, it would have been much easier for Rahab, for instance, to deny the spies who came to her home, shelter, or better, to turn them in for a rich reward or quick respect from her neighbors. But her choice was made more complicated by the stories she had heard about the God of the Israelites. Not only did she hear them, but she believed them. They struck fear in her heart. She made a choice to exchange the truth of God for the lie she had been living as a prostitute. She chose to live the rest of her life for the will of God and promote his story through her own. And as we learn, she marries one of the spies and she is, comes and becomes part of the Israelite people. And then she has uh, children with Salmon 
and then those children then are part of the lineage of Jesus. Now, Peter encourages us to arm ourselves with the same attitude that suffering is a constant reminder to make her same choice to live the rest of our lives for the will of God instead of evil human desires that generally guide us. Now, if there was some kind of wild debauchery living, well, being a prostitute would definitely be that. So she was coming out of a whole lifestyle because she believed in the narrative of God. She had to be prepared, be prepared for rejection of all those around her in following the Israelites. And we need to be prepared to be rejected by those in the world who want to continue living in reckless, wild ways. Some of them will make fun of you. But the point here is, if we choose to believe in the narrative of God and be a part of his story and to do his will, well, then our story will have a great ending. And for those who don't, they will just be caught up in the destruction of all things. There's another verse in the New Testament which confirms what we're talking about here today, and that's Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, which warns us, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to the one who shrinks back and is destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I thought this was appropriate in describing Ruth because there was no reason for Ruth to be confident in following Naomi back to Bethlehem. I mean, after all, nothing but sorrow had followed Naomi. She had to move to Moab with her husband and sons because of famine. Then her husband dies, and then her two sons die, leaving her two daughters-in-law in her care. So why was Ruth so confident that making a pledge to stay with her for the rest of eternity? Well, whatever was inspiring Ruth to do it all caused her to perpetuate the narrative of God by overcoming every challenge to keep the line of Perez active. And again, that was an important part of the story as is recorded in the end of Ruth. Now like Ruth, we should never throw away our confidence in God's story because like Ruth, we will be richly rewarded. But it takes perseverance on our part so that when we do the will of God, we will receive what God has promised. Righteous people live by faith. They do not shrink back. So we too perpetuate the story of God when we have confidence and we move, store, we move forward in the story of God. When I think about all the things that are going on in the world today, how our lives have changed and how we have to listen to governors and presidents and world leaders and whatever the case might be, and they say that they're going to save us Listen, we might survive this pandemic by doing all the things that we have done, 
and then the day after they say we're all clear, God might decide just to return that day. <laughs> you see, the point is, is that God's in control of everything still. And if we begin to live our life in fear and shrink back because we're afraid of death, well, we're throwing away our confidence. The confidence that we can live in is knowing that we're part of God's story because we are following God's will. And when we're following God's will and we're wrapping his story around our particular circumstances and our experiences and our struggles and trusting him, we know he's going to work all things out together for our, everyone's good. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 commands us clearly, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives, what do you think, forever. So it's not just about surviving in this world, it's about living eternally. And we haven't explored the scriptures about the story of Bathsheba like the others. Now, we'll do so more next week when we talk about King David and his story. But Bathsheba, basically she was compromised by the lust of David so that uh, the fact that two of her children with David were so significant in the history of Israel has to be investigated by us. See, King Solomon was her son, and Nathan, his brother, would be listed in the genealogy of Jesus as his heir, and we'll explain why in a couple of weeks. But Bathsheba had to protect her sons from those who sought to usurp them, which in that day and age, that day and age would have equated to the death of her children. You see, her whole story is one of compromise, but even in that, God used her to carry out his will. Her life was compromised by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But there was something in her that God would use to establish the earthly throne on which Jesus would stake his claim. We might be compromised ourselves by the things of this world, but if we understand these aren't from God and do his will, we will reign with Christ in heaven and we can stake our claim. When Jesus asked for this cup to pass from him, he was asking his heavenly father to provide some other way for him to accomplish his purpose. This cup was confusing, complicated, challenging, and compromising. But Jesus accepted God's will in going to the cross because that was his story. And like Jesus, we're called to take up our cross daily and follow him. What that means is we lay down our own interests, we lay down our lusts, we lay down our desires, and we say, not my will, but Lord, yours be done. What would you have me do in my life today? Too often we excuse ourselves because we don't think we're good enough. But if there's anything we learn from the moms of Jesus, it is perfection isn't needed to do the will of God. 
We might have to work through some things ultimately, but if we are faithful, if we fulfill the dream our moms have for us of carrying on the story of our family and we wrap it in the Christocentric story of humanity, we will do the will of God and we will reap the reward that comes with that. God works all things together. Now, I want to just give a shout out to my mom, Darren K. Simmons. That's my mom. Hey, mom, you watching? Love you. Now, I have to say this about my mother. She was not perfect, and she'll admit it. But she did the perfect thing for me in making Christ Jesus the central part of our family story. I don't know how she did it, but I grew up believing that I was somehow special because I was part of God's story. That's why I became a preacher. That's why I went to Bible college. Is because I believed there was something special about serving God and following His will. Thanks, Mom, for making Christ Jesus the central part of our family story, even though we all have to admit that it was confusing and complicated and challenging and sometimes compromising. I also want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife today, Elizabeth Irene Simmons. Um, she is perfect, by the way, and I told her so the other day. She has done the perfect thing, too, for her three children in making Christ the central focus of our, our humanity. So I'm just standing here today thinking just how blessed I am to have both a mom and a, the mother of my children so instrumental in teaching me and our kids that we're part of the narrative of God. We still struggle. We have confusing life circumstances just like everybody else. We understand the complications others might bring to our experience, but we deal with that. We're willing to accept the challenges given to us in the forms of various trials, and we have compromised our purity by making stupid worldly decisions. But I'm proud to say that Jesus is the central part of our lives. And we seek to do the will of God as we look forward to our reward in heaven. If Jesus could bear his cross, we can bear ours. If Jesus' moms can overcome their circumstances and still carry out the will of God in their lives, it should inspire us to do so too. All you moms out there that are telling your kids Continue the story. Thank you when you are making Jesus a central part of that story. Because the gift that you're giving to them is a gift that they can continue to give for generations to come. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. And may God bless us. Let's pray.